once in a while. Open your Bibles, would you, to the book of Genesis. And I want to kind of piggyback off what I preached this morning. How many got something out of that message this morning? Amen? We can trade in our problems for a door of hope. Amen? If it doesn't sound good soon, I'll switch it over because it doesn't sound good up here to me. Deuteronomy, sorry, Genesis chapter 15. Then we're going to look at Deuteronomy in just a second. Amen. Jeff does an awesome job with the sound. Amen. We appreciate him. Genesis 15. I want to just quickly read this story again that I read this morning for those that weren't here, for those that were in Sunday school, um, and then go into to the, to the message tonight. But I was talking this morning about trading in our troubles for hope. Amen. And how many know that this life has troubles, this life has problems, this life has uh, struggles, and with or without God, I've always said and believed with or without God, we have struggles. How many have come to realize that? With or without God, we're going to struggle in life. But it's much better to struggle with God on our side. God never promised. That's one of the biggest lies of the mega church today and of Christianity on on TV and things is they paint a picture that everything's perfect. And it's all houses and money and cars and, and, and health. And you know, there's, you know there's actually preachers that say that if you're sick that there's something wrong with you. There's preachers that say if you're sick you don't have faith. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. And I, I, must, be, I must be a bad sinner then because I get sick. Right? I must not have any faith at all. Neither do you. I know that's not true. Jesus said, many afflictions are of the righteous. Many. But the Lord delivers us from them all. So we know that in, in life, especially serving God, we're going to have troubles. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have trials. We're going to have problems. But the good thing is, is God, the Bible says, will bring us through them all. Amen? And so I want to look at Genesis 15 again, just to start this off and lead in uh, to go to a couple different places tonight. I was talking this morning about how God gave Abraham a promise. How many have ever gotten a promise from God? Amen? Does this sound okay? So-so? My wife says so-so. I'm switching it. Let's switch back. Testing. Whoa. So, Genesis, God's giving Abraham a promise. How many have ever gotten a word from the Lord? Someone spoke something to you, you heard something from somebody else, God gave you a promise in the word, you've been listening to a message, and, but God said that's for you, a promise, a, a, a hope, something that, that this gave you life and air to your wings, and then you realize that the promise didn't happen, or hasn't happened yet, or hasn't happened how you wanted it to. And I want to reiterate this story again from this morning in Genesis 15, that God told Abraham, we know the story, the blessing about the Bible is we can look back on the stories of the Bible and we can see what happened and learn from it because it's already written. Our story's not written yet. We're still writing our story. How many realize we're writing our story still? And our story's not going to be finished until we breathe our last breath or that trumpet sounds. And so we're still writing our story. We haven't graduated yet. We haven't finished the race yet. Paul said, I've, I've finished the race. We haven't finished. And so until we finish the race, until we get to the, to the finish line, we're still writing our story. But the blessing is we can look back at Abraham's life and we talk about Abraham and we don't have to go, well, I wonder how this is going to turn out because we already know. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the sky. 
He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bless you and bless your seed. And through your seed, great things are going to happen. But how many know that when he said that to him, Abraham's wife was viejita. Amen. She was old. Amen. She was past the age. And she, she, she was not able to have babies. And, 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 and Abraham could have easily said, God, I think you're, I think you're, have you ever told God you're talking to the wrong person? Right? I think, I think that it's the next house over. Amen. And Abraham had to have said, God, what are you talking about? But he said, no, I'm going to bless you. And through your seed, I'm going to make your descendants as the sand is on the seashore, as the stars are in heaven. And Abraham had to say, God, I'm going to believe you. And watch this. I'm going to trust you. Even though that sounds crazy. This walk with God, this is a great Sunday night message because we're back here tonight because we're crazy for Jesus and we want to be at church on a Sunday night. This is a message for you to understand and to realize tonight, God just wants us to trust him. Can't preach enough for too much on trust. Amen? You, you can't do it. You have to understand that our, our walk is a walk of faith and our walk is a walk of trust. So he says to Abraham, look at this and, 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 and look toward heaven. Look at verse 5 of Genesis 15. Look what he says to him. Look toward, he says, he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. I mean, no, that's impossible. And he says, so shall your descendants be. That's a big promise. I want you to put yourself in the Bible right now. I don't, you don't have to be Abraham. You don't have to be the one who's going to bring forth great mighty miracles. But I want you to look at your life tonight and realize that God wants to do something great through you. Through your life. Individually. Then as a family. Then as a church. But individually he wants to do something great through your life. And, and God might have spoken something to you. You might be listening to the time at the offering and, and God is saying, I want to bless you. And, and you're saying, I can't be blessed. I don't, I don't even have a job. I can't be blessed. I'm, I'm up to, my, to my, my, my neck in debt. I can't do anything. I can't, I can't hardly read. I, can't, I don't have any talents. All these things. Don't you think that Abraham, at the moment that God said that to him, had to have been thinking in his mind, you're crazy, God. What are you, are you again, God, my name is Abram. Are you sure not thinking about somebody else? He didn't say that though. Look what Jesus, look what the word says in verse 6. It says, Abraham believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him for what? Righteousness. He says, I believe. Amen? I believe. Look at the person next to you and say, I believe. You mean that? I believe. I believe what God's word says. Amen? But here's the thing I went over in the morning that's kind of interesting. God says, I'm going to do this for you, but I want something back. I want you to go and get some sacrifices. He tells them there in verse uh, 9, he says, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And that was something that was a sacrifice for Abraham. And he did this, it says, and he came and brought them and cut them all up. And so he obeyed. Okay, he obeyed. Stay with me for a second, especially if we're here this morning. He obeyed. Many of us make it that far with God. We listen and we obey. 
But where many believers lose the battle is after the obedience in the waiting. Many people say, yes, Lord, I hear, I hear that. And we talked about it this morning, how a lot of times when things are exciting, it's, it's easy to get excited because people around you, and I gave the example again, I'm just re, 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 rephrasing some of this for those that weren't here this morning or maybe you need to hear it again, maybe you're asleep, amen. But if you, if you need to hear it again, people get sent out at conference and they get excited because God speaks to them and says, I want you to go plant a church. And the couple says, man, do you think we can do this? And they yeah, we th- I think we can do this. And this crazy moment happens, and they decide to do it, and they decide to leave their city and go get a job somewhere else and start a church. And then conference happens, and Pastor Jones stands up, and he calls that couple out. He says, out of Colorado Springs, into whatever city, San Antonio, Phoenix, Tucson, uh, Dallas, Denton, whatever. He says that, and then they come up, and there's a 1,000 people there, and people are shouting, and they're clapping, and everybody's like, yeah! And it's a moment of excitement. Right? It's a moment of excitement. And then, the next day when they wake up, they realize that now they have to actually do that. Saying yes to the call and being obedient was the easy part. Now comes the actual doing it. When I got, when I got called to, this many times, but when I got called, to, for instance, to come back here to Denton seven years ago, and I was on my knees praying, and God said, I want you to go to Denton. Man, that was the easy part. The easy part was getting up from prayer and going and telling my wife, God spoke. He wants us to go back to Denton. He wants us to go back to the States. That was the, e- obeying was the easy part. But after the obedience comes the real work. The waiting it out. The trusting. The believing in what I cannot see. The walking in the dark. And he says here in this verse, we, we could have just left it there. Sometimes we read stories and we stop and we miss out on what God is really trying to say. And we, many of us, listen, I guarantee you, I could, if I was a betting man, I could bet to you tonight and put money on it that m- most of you maybe did not even know about the part I'm going to read in just a second. All you knew about Abraham was that he, God told him his descendants would be like the stars, stars in the sky, and he said yes, and it was a credit to him for righteousness. Many would have stopped right there in verse, what was it, 6, 7, or 8, where it says it was a credit to him for righteousness, and the message stops, and boom, we go on, and Abraham's a hero of Hebrews 11. Right? I'm not, I'm not putting you on blast. I'm just saying, many of us don't really know what's about to happen. Because all we saw was it was a credit to him as righteousness. And people go, man, Abraham, what a, what a mighty man of God. But they don't go on to see verse 11. He cuts the sacrifices. And then watch what happens. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. We said this morning that, la- that, w- that when he got that word, how many know you can't see stars in the daytime? It has to be night. So when God spoke to him to go get those sacrifices, it was either early, early morning before the sun rose or it was just nighttime. And then Abraham went and got the sacrifices and he was there long enough waiting for God to do something with his obedience that the vultures came. And it doesn't say how long right there that he was there waiting, but how many know that when something dies, it takes a while for the vulture, unless they just drive, they're driving by, 
by, by coincidence and just happen to get a whiff, it takes a while for them to sniff out that dead, that dead animal. So we don't know how exactly how long Abraham was there waiting, but the Bible says that he had to sit there and beat off, I said this morning, the haters. Beat off the enemy. Beat off the doubters. Beat off the flesh. Beat off the family. Beat off the surrounding people. Beat off all the things around that were trying to touch his sacrifice and his obedience to God, which would ultimately be his blessing. Amen. And so a lot of times, this is where we really are. We're not in the victory stage. We're not in the shouting hallelujah stage. We're not in the we ran through and Jericho, the walls of Jericho fall stage. This is where most of our life is lived if you're really honest with it and you realize this is, this is where the real ministry happens. This is a great post-rally conference message because I mentioned this morning, last week, last Sunday, or last week, Friday, this place was packed. There was hundreds of people here and people from all over our conference churches and conference and praise and worship was exciting and we had all these pastors here and how many know it was just amazing just to be with all the that's what heaven's going to be like but now this week all of us including ourselves all the pastors are back in what's called reality right how many know vacation is not reality right when you go, whether you go on a vacation for a week or you get a couple days away like we did, the, the, the worst part of the getaway is the night you get back. Come on, follow me for a second. Oh, if life could, me and my dad used to joke, if life could be like lunch. If life could just be like lunch, amen? If you could just sit and eat lunch all day long, that would be life, Right? But you have a couple days, you get away, it's just a family, there's no worries, you're just enjoying each other, you're just resting and relaxing a little bit, then Saturday night comes, and now you got it back into the swing of things again. Reality. Tomorrow, after a weekend off, after spring break's over, kids have been sleeping in, kids have been doing, now Monday morning, got to get up and go to school again. Reality. Right? How many are following me? Isn't it true that vacations are great, honeymoons are great, uh, conferences are great, all these things are great, but life is reality. Reality is work. Reality is sacrifice. Reality is pain. Reality is trust. Reality is work. Reality is trust. Reality is pain. I can just go over and over again. Does anybody realize that's life? And if you're expecting anything different, you're going to be disappointed. Because this is work. Not to be saved. Let me say, it's not, it's not work to be saved. It's work to stay saved. It's not work to ask Jesus into your heart. It's work to walk the walk. It's work to have a, how many want to have a good marriage in here? I'm not asking you, I'm not going to ask if you have a good marriage. I'm not trying to cause problems tonight. How many want to have a good marriage? Amen. If you want to have good marriage, it's going to take work. You want to have kids raised in the gospel, it's going to take work. You want to have a good church, it's going to take work. Nothing comes with the genie. Amen. Nothing comes with the fairy dust. Amen. Reality is, life's hard. Being a Christian's harder. Staying the course is even harder than that. 
And being a real remnant believer in this world is harder than all those together. Can you say amen? But God gives us help, and the Bible says he delivers us from all of our afflictions and all of our troubles. And the hope is we just keep on doing this until one day conference will be every day, vacation will be every day, the honeymoon will be every day when we're up in heaven with Jesus. That's the day we're looking for. That's why it's called the blessed hope. But we're not there yet. That's why we sing soon and very soon. We're going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. There'll be no more crying there. Amen. We are going to see the king. That's why we sing it because we're looking forward to that day. When there'll be no more work. When there'll be no more sorrow. When there'll be no more pain. But the reality is... Is I could have I named this conference is over. The vacation's over. Back, I, there was an old secular song back when I was younger. Back to life. Back to reality. Yeah, some of y'all know it. Right? Back to life. Back to reality. Amen. Back to the grind. It's the truth. And, and the promise is great, and the blessings are great, and all the things, but we know that this, the real thing is working. Stay in the course. Stay in faithful. Trusting in God. Amen. Now I want you to look over to the book of Psalms, and then we're going to go to Deuteronomy to close up. Book of Psalms 126. Amen. Say amen when you get there. Psalms chapter 126. I could, be like the, I could be like the TV evangelist tonight and say, the Lord has spoken. <laughs> I believe that we should all give $126 tonight. <laughs> Amen. You believe that stuff? It's so hard to do it right. And these guys can raise $65 million for a jet. We were joking at lunch today. I said, if, I said, we got about 200 people when we're all there. If I could just get 360 from 200 people, I could get a brand new Lexus. Some people do. That's not very much. 360 one time? Can you believe that? And they actually do that on Christian TV sometimes. The Lord has spoken. They'll open a book, and the number is 126. And they'll say, I'm telling you, if you'll give 126 tonight, I'm telling you, God will bless you. God will do. Isn't that crazy? That's not reality. It's not let's make a deal. Amen? This isn't let's make a deal. That's not how it works. And so there's a sense of, and I say that jokingly, but I say it for this reason. Unfortunately, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not on a Christian TV blast tonight. It's just the fact of, of, of just like life, things in life try to make things seem different than they are. Y'all follow me? This is as real a message as you're going to hear. It, it's like TV. You watch a movie and you see these things in the movie that aren't reality. That's why tonight, and I know most of us are older in here tonight, and you can plug your kids' ears if you want to, if you need to. That's why pornography is the biggest seller in the world. Because pornography is not reality. Amen. This is a real message. That, that's a visual, that's a thing that, that happens on a movie or a TV or whatever that 
makes people fantasize and think about something that is not even real. And then they get into a marriage and expect that to happen. Not reality. So I think a lot of times, because of the generation we live in of TV, people come in, and listen, we had a perfect testimony of it tonight. People come in with a preconceived idea of what church is. And, and a preconceived, and listen, you know what? A lot of times when we're, when we're having church or we're preaching a message, we have to deal with all the thoughts people are having about church that have been placed in them by other people. People come in, and, and, and we take up the offering, and we begin to give a verse or whatever about it, about the offering, and people that have been in a church before that takes up five offerings in one service, they begin to think, well, this must be the first one. Y'all following me? And they have a preconceived idea. And that's why, let me just break it down, that's why, church, we believe so heavily in going after the souls that have not been saved and that have not been raised in church and that have, been, that have not been uh, indoctrinated with things. We go after people that have never been in church before and they're learning what the Bible says for the first time. That's the will of God. Amen? Now, if you came from another church, praise God that God brought you in. But that's why we go after what we call raw converts. So we can understand this. So, Psalms 126. And just in case you don't know, I'm joking about that. Amen? About the money. Look what it says in verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, and the streams in the south. Watch this. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I'm going I'm to say that one more time. This is reality. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, watch this, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. If you have suffered, listen, this isn't a message that says we have to suffer all the time. That's that we have to make a vow of poverty. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to make a vow of poverty. You're going to have the struggles without any vows. Amen? You're going to have trials without doing that. The bottom line is that life is ups and downs. Reality is it's not always perfect. It's not always great. But God is always great. Amen? God doesn't change, but we do, and reality does, and circumstances do, but God does not change. And what he wants us to understand tonight is that we can trust him. He's not a failure. He's not a man that he should lie. Amen. He is, he is the king of glory. Amen. He is just who he says he is, and he will do just what he says he will do. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And as you're getting there, I want to read that part one more time just in case you didn't hear. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Tell the person next to you, get ready for this next part. Say, so you listening? Watch this. Take your notes, write this down. This will change your life. Here's what man says. Here's what the world says. 
Man says, show me and I'll trust you. Show me and I'll trust you. Let me say that one more time. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. Okay? That's how we are. Human nature says, hey, show me. Show me how this works. Show me that I'm going to step out and not fall. Show me that if I get in this marriage, it's going to work out. Show me if I take this job, it's going to provide. Show me my kids. If I'm going to have kids, they're going to be good. Show me, show me, show me, show me. Then I'll trust you. That's not trust. God says, trust me. Then I'll show you. How many would rather walk that walk? I would rather walk that walk than have everything calculated out before me. Listen, church, I don't have it all together, but I have 22 years of trusting God. I've made some big moves in my life. My wife and I have made some big moves. Different places, different countries, left jobs, left security, left things, stepped out. And there's one thing that I know that I do do well tonight. It's trust God. I fail in a lot of areas, but one area that I know that I do well and I ask God to continue to help me in is I just trust God. I know how to trust him. I know how to believe that even though I'm not seeing it in front of me, God is with me. And let me tell you something. If you can get that right, you'll get life right. If you can get that down right there that says, God, I will trust you even before you show me. Isn't that what we saw with Abraham? Hey, see all those stars? I'm going to make it like, I'm going to make your descendants that many. Oh, I'm going to do great and mighty things through you. Abraham said, I trust you. Before he ever showed how he was going to do it. What do you want, God? And that was the thing I said this morning. Be careful when you ask God what he wants. Because guess what? God will ask you for everything. I love what, I don't remember what pastor it was this week. And I'll, if I tried to guess, I'd be wrong. It doesn't matter. But I, I've been in my spirit probably more than anything I got out of this whole message or the whole rally was make an open contract before God. And you sign it. How many heard that? Pull out a contract with God. Leave it blank and say, God, you fill it in. And then I'll sign it. Or even better than that, Put the contract out and sign it before he fills it out. Because that's really what that's saying. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. So we could look at the contract. If, if it was that easy to walk this walk, everybody would be saved. Because God would say, look, here's the deal. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's going to end up like this. Da -da 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 -da. And, and then you sign it. But God says, no, I, want you, I need you to sign this paper. I need you to sign up on my team. Watch this. And the only thing I can promise you is that you'll spend eternity with me. That's the only thing I can promise you. The rest, you're going to have to trust me on. And fill the Holy Spirit on this. Amen? This wasn't, in the, this wasn't in the notes. That's what God's looking for. Absolute trust. God, I'll sign right now. Listen, here's the bottom line, church. I'm not trying to be mean. Some of us wouldn't sign. But do you realize that when you get saved, that's what you're doing? 
That's why so many Christians don't make it, because they're not told the truth. They don't hear these real messages. It's all fluff. It's all good. It's all perfect. It's all we're going to make it. Yes, we're going to make it. But the only thing promised to us is heaven. But he doesn't promise an easy path to heaven. He doesn't promise it all being perfect and, and everything. But what you can know for sure is that if you'll trust God, your steps are ordered by him. How many, how many love God enough to trust his steps tonight? And many times, the steps that you are taking, you think, God, why am I taking these steps? And things are not working out like you want them to work out. Things are not going the direction you planned, that you hoped for, that you dreamed for. But you stop in the moment of darkness like I talked about this morning. And you say, God, I trust you. I mentioned this morning before I... Before I get into the next couple minutes here, and I'm not going to take long. I'm going to close up on this before I read another verse. By the way, the message tonight is called Cling to God. I haven't given it. Don't get scared, okay? I haven't read any of my message. But I'm not going to go into the whole thing, okay? Promise. God kind of changed the direction. But I'm still going to get the verse out he wanted me to read. In Deuteronomy. You there? Tell the person next to you, cling to God. Amen. Notice I didn't say cling to your husband or wife, or cling to your friend, or cling to your brother or sister. Cling to God. Cling to God. Why that word? I'll show you. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Say amen if you're there. Verse 19 and 20. Many of you have heard this verse before, but maybe not the end. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you, what? Life and death, blessing and cursing. And he says, therefore, choose what? Life. That both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God. That you may, this is, this is important. A lot of us get that. We love you, God. That you may obey his voice. We get that. Okay, I obey God. I'll, I'll go sacrifice. I'll be there. I'll go to church. Here's where we miss out. And that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. If you don't learn to cling to God, you're not going to make it. The only way you're going to make it with God in a real world is clinging to him. Understanding that when the going gets tough and rough and things are not working out, I'm not letting go, God. I'm not letting go. We know the story of Jacob wrestling with God. And he wouldn't let him go. That was clinging to God. Clinging to that angel, fighting and saying, I'm not letting you go till I get my blessing. He says, I know if I let go of you, I have nothing. That's the attitude we need to have. If I let go of God, too many people let go of, all, let go of God and grab onto all kinds of stuff that's meaningless. All kinds of stuff that's not going to last. And, and we know that when Jacob 
fought that battle and wrestled with the angel, wrestled with the Lord, and he, and, he, and he won that battle, he was running for his life from his brother Esau because he had tricked him out of his birthright. And the last time Jacob had seen his brother, his brother said, I'm going to kill you. He didn't say, I want to have lunch with you. I'm going to kill you. And now he's fixing to meet up with him again. He was clinging to God. I'm going to have to probably preach this on Wednesday. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Don't say amen. I'm just kidding. Cling to God. As they're coming tonight, the reality is we have signed up. It's not preached enough tonight, church. Take up your cross. How many know that's not preached enough? Take up your cross. All Jesus promised us was a cross to take up. No promises of anything else. Listen, I'm not saying you can't believe for things. That's, don't get me wrong on this. I'm just trying to tell you that right here, this is where it really is. Life. And, and the victories are coming. The blessings are coming. But most of our life is lived beating off the vultures of the sacrifice and waiting for the promise. Can anybody say amen to that has anybody been saved long enough to realize that that's what you spend most of your time doing protecting the sacrifice i lay it all down i trust you god i do what you say god i believe in you god i love you god and the enemy comes to steal to kill and destroy and i spend most of my time beating off the enemy and beating off the vultures and beating off the lies and beating off the deception and beating off the flesh that wants to quit and beating off the, the, the voices of the world that say your relationship with God's not real. Beating off the, that is the, the things that say just, just go back to your old ways. This isn't really working out. Life was better before Jesus. All these things we fight. That's where you spend most of your time in life. But don't forget that what you're protecting is eternal. That's not a small thing. Picture that, picture Abraham beating that vulture. Get out of here! If that vulture's there, it's a symbol of death. Somebody get this. I cannot live unless I die. A seed cannot grow unless it goes into the ground. We spend our lives, our cross is protecting the death of our own selves. Don't let that go over your head. Get this. That's what we do. We live our life protecting the sacrifice we've given because that's why he says, if, 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 if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things are passed away. And that's why Paul said, I die daily. We die to ourselves. We die to our dreams. See, what I'm really protecting is is the death of me because I don't want to come back to life again I no longer live Christ lives within me 
So what I'm protecting is that I don't resurrect. Not, not, the, not the Blake that's going to go to heaven, the flesh that died. When, when God asked Abraham to go, kill, to go kill those animals and make a sacrifice, he was asking Abraham to give up himself. He was asking him to die to himself. And then he had to protect that sacrifice because he knew that was his promise. You need to learn to protect your salvation. That's why we were joking around at lunch today. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Because you've got to protect your salvation. Because it's all you have. It's serious. It's a serious thing. We cannot, we cannot not take serious this walk. Because that's the only thing he promised me was that I'd spend eternity with him. But I got to protect my sacrifice. I got to protect the promise. Every day, Satan's going to wake you up tomorrow morning with some kind of lie. He might not even get till tomorrow. He'll tell you on your way home, lie. Lie. You got to beat him off. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist the devil and he'll flee. He's never going to stop. He's never going to stop. And God's never going to stop loving you. God's never going to stop holding your hand. All he wants is trust. Amen? And that's why some of my favorite words in the Bible are from Job. Though you slay me, I will trust you. Some of the most powerful words in the Bible. And I promise you, none of us have gone through his shoes. And I'm not taking away from the battles or the scars or the things you've gone through. But nobody went through what Job went through. He lost everything. Even his health. Those are some words that you need to take out of here on this Sunday night. God, though you slay me, I will trust you. Don't say, God, show me, and I'll trust you. Say, God, I trust you. Now show me. Show me the way. Show me my steps. Show me where to go. Show me where not to go. Show me what to do. Show me what not to do. Amen? The steps I said at this morning of a righteous man are ordered by God.